Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I'm your host, Isaac Wolf. We open this episode with some incredibly sad breaking news. Former Lakers superstar and NBA legend Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Gianna died in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California just this morning, Sunday, January 26, 2020, according to many different reports. The two were on the way to one of Gianna's travel basketball games. It was reported that one of Gianna's teammates and her parent were with them on the helicopter. There are also other reports that in in total nine were on that helicopter. Nothing has been truly confirmed yet of how many people. This happened at ten, around 10 a.m. this morning. And this comes, of course, the day after LeBron James passed Kobe for third on the all-time scoring list just 19 hours ago. He tweeted LeBron congratulating him on passing him. He said, quote, continuing to move the game forward at King James. Much respect to my brother. Flex emoji. Hashtag 33,644. Little did we know that that would be the last we ever heard from him, at least publicly. I mean, I'm still in shock. My friend texted me at about 2.45 p.m. and told me, and I didn't believe him. I didn't think it was true. I thought it was referencing something else. But I looked it up as soon as he said that, because in the back of my mind, I thought maybe maybe it's true. And sure enough, there were already multiple stories out there confirming it, and I just could not believe it. I simply didn't want to. One of basketball's greatest players ever, and this is a few months before his likely Hall of Fame induction. Remember, he's eligible for the first time this year, and is probably a unanimous vote. First ballot Hall of Famer, at least to me he is. That will, that'll be a hard day, but definitely not as hard as today as we are all still trying to process this. It'll be a while um, until the NBA world returns to normal, unfortunately. Kobe Bryant was an 18-time All-Star, one-time MVP, two-time Finals MVP, and five-time NBA champion. He had four daughters, Natalia, the late Gianna, Bianca, and Capri, who was born last June with his wife, Vanessa. Kobe Bryant was 41 years old, We'll have a moment of silence for him, and we'll come back. Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. Yes, that was a very tough opening, but... We've got a lot to get through. A lot of other things happened in the NBA these past two weeks besides what happened uh, today. And we're going to recap some of the games that happened over the past two weeks. Thunder T-Wolves, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had a very impressive performance. Not quite the 2020-20 triple-double that Russell Westbrook had for OKC last year. But he did have 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists. Best game of his career individually, he's having a great second season. He's made a big jump in production. I had him as my most improved player pick before the season, and he's averaging almost 20 points a game. I believe it's 19.8. Six rebounds and three assists per game. I think playing alongside Chris Paul is really benefiting him. He's a veteran, future Hall of Fame point guard who knows his way around the league. One of the greatest to ever do it at that position. And, you know, he's he's a good compliment to Shea. They can both handle the ball and run the offense. But Shea attacks the rim more than he shoots. And CP is often a shooter, doesn't drive as much anymore. 
as he is aging. But as for the game, seven Thunder players, including Gilgis Alexander, scored in double figures, and it boosted the Thunder to a 117-104 victory over Minnesota. Magic Lakers, Markel Fultz's second career triple-double lifted the Magic to the victory in L.A., it was a one-point win for the Magic, and LeBron got stuffed by the rim on an open dunk attempt, and had he made that, the Lakers maybe would have won the game, assuming everything went the same way it did with the missed dunk, but that was the difference. LeBron makes that, Lakers probably win. I mean, it happens to the best of us. Pelicans Jazz. This was before Zion's debut, which we'll get to in a little bit. Jazz had a 10-game win streak coming into this game, and Brandon Ingram did everything he could to stop it. He had 49 points, a career high, hit what was thought to be the game winner with 0.2 seconds left, put the Pels up by one, but they fouled Rudy Gobert on the inbound, and he made one out of two free throws, sending the game into overtime. New Orleans outscored Utah 16-10 in OT, ended the game on an 11-0 run, and took the win at home 138-132. Lakers-Rockets, Harden and Westbrook combined for 69 points, but didn't have any help. Meanwhile, LeBron was without AD, with, was without AD, and he got help. James had 31, but Caldwell Pope added 20 off the bench. Danny Green had 20. Kyle Kuzma had 23. And that was the difference. The Lakers played well as a unit, and the Rockets did not. Late in the game, LeBron was at the free throw line. The Lakers were winning, and there was significant MVP chance for him by Laker fans at the game. It was... Utterly embarrassing if you were a Houston Rockets fan, either at the game or watching it on TV. But this game showed that the Lakers are more than just LeBron and AD. They can get scoring outside the two. Impressive road win by LA. Celtics-Lakers. MLK Day showdown between two teams that have a lot of history between them. Kemba Walker had never beat LeBron. In his career going into this game, he was 0-28. In 28 career games against LeBron, he'd not won one of them. His first win against LeBron was a blowout. Complete domination by Boston throughout the entire game. They won by 32. 139-107. This was AD's first game back from injury. He finished with just 9 points and 4 rebounds. LeBron, 15 points and 13 assists. But I think the Lakers were struggling adjusting to AD coming back after being out almost two weeks. Then he got in foul trouble early, which messed things up for them too. On the Celtics side of things, they played great. Jason Tatum had 27. Brown and Walker each added 20. Kanner added a late eight, excuse me, 18 and 11 off the bench. Great all-around game for Boston. Can you guess how many career triple doubles Kawhi Leonard has? Anyone? All right, I'll tell you. He's got one. Uno. He has a single triple-double in his career, and it came on Friday. Yes, Kawhi Leonard got his first career triple-double on Friday against the Heat. 33 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and the Clippers got a big win in Miami, who had just lost lost just one game at home before that. They are currently 20-2. and two. At American Airlines Arena. That's turning out to be one of the toughest places to play in the league this season. Certainly uh, one of the toughest teams you'll face. 
They're for real. The Heat are for real. Kawhi Leonard had to play extremely well without Paul George to get the win, and he did. Moving on to to some trades that have happened recently, specifically to the Sacramento Kings traded Trevor Ariza, Wenyan Gabriel, and Caleb Swanigan to the Portland Trailblazers in exchange for Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and two second-round picks, according to ESPN's agent Wojnarowski. And also, according to Woj, the Golden State Warriors traded Willie Cauley-Stein to the Mavericks for a 2020 second-round pick. And this isn't a trade, but it's still worth sharing. Kind of a transaction type thing. Eh, not really. It's not really a transaction. But the Jazz gave Royce O'Neal a four-year, $36 million contract extension. All right. Hot Topics time. Zion Williamson is a flaming hot topic right now. He finally made his NBA debut on Wednesday against the, uh, the Spurs on national TV on ESPN. ESPN actually kicked the Nuggets-Rockets game off of national television, moved them to the eight, moved them to play eight o'clock, and the Spurs and Pelicans were the second half of the ESPN Wednesday night doubleheader at nine thirty. But Zion came out flat. He, he, I mean, he started the game, didn't do much for the first three quarters, really. Five points on two of three shooting, one of two, I believe, from the free throw line. His first NBA points came on an offensive rebound putback layup, but nothing super impressive from those first three quarters for him until the fourth quarter. In a three-minute stretch from like early to mid-fourth quarter, Zion absolutely took over. It was the Zion the NBA world was waiting for. He scored 17 straight points, including hitting all four of his three-point attempts in that stretch. He went four for four from downtown. He made more threes in three minutes of a quarter than Ben Simmons has his entire career. Yeah, Twitter kind of went crazy about that. But yeah, his dominance was on full display. The crowd was electric. The fans were going nuts. It was exactly what Zion's debut was uh, was expected to be. Fun, exciting, good basketball. It just took longer than we thought it would. Zion finished the game with 22 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists. No dunks and 4 threes made. Who would have thought that would have happened? Zero dunks and 4 three-pointers from Zion Williamson in his NBA debut. As for his second game, it was it was pretty good as well. 15 points, got his first NBA dunk on an alley-oop from Drew Holiday. And he looked like he was playing volleyball on... This one play on defense, he demolished a, a, a shot into the sixth row. It was one of the biggest blocks I had ever seen from a player. But he played well again. He's already made history uh, as the first player in NBA history to have to average 15 points per game while shooting 17% from the or excuse, 17 70% from the field. And that's not surprising in his first two career games. That is for having at least 15 points and shooting 70% from the field in his first two NBA games. That's not really surprising because if he's knocking down his threes, other than that, he's always he's always shooting around the rim. And a lot of them are dunks, so it makes it easier for him. But it, it was a long road back for Williamson. <laughs> and Zion said he wanted to punch a wall or kick some chairs during rehab. He told reporters, quote, the rehab workouts were long and strenuous. 
There were a lot of times when I just wanted to punch a wall or kick chairs. It's frustrating to not move your body the way you want to, especially since I'm only 19 and haven't played my first game yet. It was tough, but I battled through it. He relearned how to walk and run during that rehab process, um, basically just to, I believe, help take more pressure off his knees, which are the main concern. Because at 285 pounds, how fast he runs, how high he jumps, just how athletic he is in general. He's the third heaviest player in the NBA. And guess who the other two ahead of him are? This is like my favorite stat ever. The two players that are heavier than Zion Williamson in in this league are Taco Fall, who is 7'6", and Bobad Marjanovic, who is 7'4". Yes, Zion, it's two seven-footers. It is the two tallest players. I won't say biggest. Well, I mean, in, in a sense, they are. Two biggest players and biggest and tallest players in the NBA are the only two people that are heavier than Zion Williamson. But Alvin Gentry pulled Zion out of the game with 5.23 left in the fourth quarter and the Pelicans down by three. This was during his 17 straight point run and it was clear that that the Pelicans cared about longevity more than winning that specific game. They're not going to make the playoffs. I don't care what anybody says. Zion is not their savior, at least this season. They're too far behind. They're not going to make the playoffs even with him, especially on load management. They're going to have serious load management for Williamson. I don't think he'll sit out games. He might sit out back-to-backs, certain nights of back-to-backs. But they are going to monitor Williamson very, very carefully. Williamson said after the game, that it was sickening to get pulled, but also that he has to consider longevity, even if he didn't in that moment. So we can't wait to see what his career brings now that he's on the court and playing. Finally! It will be very limited probably for the rest of this season, but he'll still give us a lot of thrills. Welcome to the Zion era. Dwight Howard and Derek Jones Jr. have confirmed that they will be participating in this year's dunk contest. Dwight won it 12 years ago, of course, with the famous Superman dunk. And, well, this is this is a sad turn, but he was planning on asking Kobe to help him in the dunk contest, whether it be as a prop or if he tosses a lob to him or whatever. But, unfortunately, that will not happen anymore. Moving on to Derek Jones. He looks like he has the best vertical in the league. Like, when he jumps, when he dunks in-game, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. He gets up. I'd like to see he and Zion just have, like, a vertical test just to see who's got the higher vertical. Jones was in the contest in 2017, did not win, but I think he's going to do some really cool things this year. So... There are two more spots, two open spots left for the contest. Zach Levine is still pending an invite, so we'll see who else gets invited. John Morant already turned it down, and I'm pretty sure that the Pelicans don't want Zion doing it for health reasons. I'm just trying to think of really good guys that we could have in the dunk contest. I mean, Diallo, Hamadou Diallo won it last year with his dunk over Shaq. That was, okay, that, that was genuinely impressive. Um, but Donovan Mitchell, maybe there's been talk, uh, that 
well, after he won it, that he would do it again. But he has nothing has come up about him. Aaron Gordon has said he wants a rematch with Zach Levine. So, I mean, if there's two spots left, I mean, the two of them, I mean, they could go at it again. That was probably the most entertaining dunk contest of all time. I mean, Jordan versus Wilkins, I believe it was 88. That was, that. that's a pretty good one. But in terms of, like, two people going at it, I think... To me, it was Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon should have won it because, I mean, when he did the under both legs dunk over the mascot, that was a 50 plus, plus, plus. I mean, Zach Levine, the problem with it, the problem with dunks, the dunk contest in terms of judging is you can have two dunks that are 50s, but one's a better 50. And Aaron Gordon often had better 50s than Zach Levine, and it took a kind of crappy dunk because he ran out of ideas to get less than a 50. Well, Zach Levine, I think, finished with a 50 on his last one. That got him the win. Got him the back-to-back wins. But Miles Bridges is another candidate. I mean, he kind of whiffed last year. If he made his first dunk, he was probably going to win it off the off the backboard through the legs. He... He, I think he would, he would have won it over Diallo had he made that first dunk. But we'll see who else they put in there. It'll be, it should be a fun Saturday night and All Star Weekend in general. And <laughs> I'm sorry, but as if we hadn't had enough sad news today, here's more. It's not something that we can ignore, however. Chandler Parsons' career may be over after being struck by a drunk driver in a car crash on Wednesday, January 15th. The Hawks forward suffered multiple severe and permanent injuries, including a traumatic brain injury, a disc herniation, and a torn labrum. This happened as he was traveling home from practice about 2 p.m., and his attorneys released a statement saying, quote, the at-fault driver created utter chaos on the roadway, n- needlessly endangering the lives of countless motorists. He now stands charged with DUI, admitted drinking, had alcohol in the car with him, passed out after causing a three-car crash at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday in a busy intersection, seriously injuring and potentially, potentially ending Mr. Parsons' career as a professional athlete. Chandler is having a difficult time accepting the consequences of the defendant's reckless conduct on the roadway. Chandler was in peak physical condition at the time of the wreck. He is now working with a team of doctors to regain his health, and at this time, his ability to return to play is unclear. Our focus right now is on helping him make a full recovery while we also work hard to hold any and all responsible parties fully accountable. So lots of prayers needed around the NBA for Kobe and Chandler and their families. The NBA announced the starters for the 2020 All-Star Game on Thursday. Starters for the Eastern Conference included Trey Young, Campbell Walker, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. For the West, it's Luka Doncic, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. Giannis and LeBron are captains for the second straight year. The reserves will be announced this Thursday with the draft being the following Thursday. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, Rockets guard Vernon Maxwell became the fifth player in NBA history to score 
30 points in a quarter, joining Wilt Chamberlain, David Thompson, George Gervin, and Michael Jordan at that time. Maxwell finished with 51 points and scored 30 in the final quarter of the Rockets' 103-97 win over the Cavs. Clay Thompson currently holds the record with 37 points in a quarter. Happy birthday to Vince Carter, Darius Garland, Gerald Green, Montrez Harrell, and Nicolo Melli. We will be back next weekend with another podcast.